protect the Earth from the scum of the universe. With agents in every major city around the world, some more decorated than others. Agent H, you're one of the best ever to wear the suit. But you'll need a partner. It's not going to save itself. Are you saying that you need me to save the world? Oh snap! Oh snap! Oh snap! Not so. Should we call it in? Call it in? No, the paperwork is a nightmare. As uh, John mentioned, my name's Ryan. It's great to be here, and I was uh, pretty happy to, to land on Men in Black. Out of all the movies that were there to choose, I was like, I'm most happy to watch this one. But uh, just at the beginning to, to say, uh, we are not kind of during this series saying these are all movies that uh, you should go home with your kids and loved ones and watch them because they're incredibly godly and holy, and uh, they're going to enhance your faith. In fact, we're more so saying uh, these are movies that the world are taking notice of. And uh, we, we totally believe that, uh, you know, God has something to say through all things. And so some of these movies, uh, for those who have kids, don't be worried. Your kids, I went and checked that my boy was not watching Men in Black. They were, they were, they were covering something else this morning. So he came out with a rainbow fish, which was awesome. So I felt grateful for that uh, rather than an alien, a rainbow alien. So, so that was good. But uh, we, we're going to look over the next few weeks, and we did last week as well, of uh, some of these movies and uh, what, what the Bible and what God would say through the themes that are presented through these movies. So looking forward to this morning uh, and doing that. But before uh, we kind of go any further, we, we just needed to uh, address some family news. Today is, in fact, uh, John Ingham's birthday. So, John, I'd love it if you could just maybe come and uh, come and join me. Yeah, come up. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on. You're not shy to the stage. And uh, Geordie, if you could uh, also join me. We, we, uh, I stayed up last night and baked pretty hard, and Geordie just brought it in. Uh, and so, 29, nearly 30. So, just in case you didn't realize you're almost the dirty 30, uh, you're, you're pretty well just about there. And, uh, I wasn't going to sing happy birthday to you because we didn't do it in the first service, but Wayne over here actually came and demanded that as a church that it would only be right if we sung you happy birthday. So can you guys help me because I am a ratchet singer, so I'm going to have to throw it out to the crowd. So can we sing to John? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to John. Happy birthday to you. Hip hip. Hip hip. Happy birthday, John. 
But truly, you are, you are a legend, and we do appreciate uh, you and everything you do. So thanks for letting us stitch you up. That was great. Don't ever steal jokes from my sermons again, and uh, <laughs> you will be safe. But we are, as we mentioned, looking at Men in Black this morning, and we're going to take a look at a, at a clip to kind of start us off this morning of our, our kind of first major character. Her name is M, Agent M, and we're going to have a look at kind of part of her journey and how she finds herself uh, in the Men in Black. Let's have a look. No, 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 don't. I know what that thing is. Please. Hang on, hang on. She had an experience. It erased my parents' memories, but it didn't take mine. It's my whole life. Everyone's called me crazy. They said that I needed therapy, which, okay, admittedly, I did. But not for this. Did she really hack into the Hubble telescope to look at Andromeda 2 and we didn't catch her? In the old days, we'd have hired her. It took me 20 years to find you, plus or minus. How many people can say that? I found you. So, you found us. You proved you're not crazy. You win the I'm not crazy badge. Now what? I want in. We don't hire, we recruit. Then I'd like to be recruited. I'm going to need more, but would you mind giving me one good reason? Because I'm smart. I'm motivated. I look good in black. I'm boring me. Because I have absolutely no life whatsoever. I have nothing. I have no dog, no cat, definitely no chill. I have nothing that I couldn't happily walk away from, which makes me perfect for this job. Well, you're certainly suitably tragic. No love, no relationships. They just distract you from what's important. Oh, really? And what's important? The truth of the universe. I want to know everything. I want to know how it all works. You really think a black suit is going to solve all your problems? Mm, no, but looks damn good on you. That's true. I think the reason we love movies like this, obviously I love kind of, you know, fun action movies and whatever, but I think the reason kind of we keep remaking these movies and, and we keep looking at it is, is as people we have a, a search for purpose. In, in, interestingly, in deep inside of us we all search for more, we all search for purpose, we all search for meaning, we want to live a life that is worth something, that we believe is going to count for something, that is going to make a difference and there is this search in our world and people have it and we have it, we all look and people are longing and they're, they're looking in different places. But all of us are looking for purpose, looking for acceptance, looking for that sense of belonging. And, and in this story, you see that she's no different. Has this experience as a kid where she kind of has an experience with, with you know, uh, the men in black and they wipe her parents' memory as you hear, but not hers. And she then spends her entire life looking for what's going on to find out the truth. And she's, she uses lines like, I, I, I want to know the truth. I, I, I was looking for more. How many people can say that I found you? Recruit me. All of these things. There is a drive in us for purpose. I, I, I like that, that little line as well where she goes, do you think a black suit is going to fix all your problems? 
And I think we are all in some ways looking for things that are going to give us purpose, that are going to make us feel good, that are going to take away maybe some of our problems. But truly there is only one place that we are going to find our purpose and that is in Christ. And, you know, the, the, the longing that our world has and the longing that we all experience in our life, the only thing that can fill that is finding Christ. Our purpose is found in Him. We want to be centered in Him. We want to live our life centered around Christ. I love that, you know, the, the movie starts with her kind of pursuing truth and pursuing uh, what's right. And, and there is this fascination with us where there is, there's always something more. And, you know, UFOs and kind of aliens and FBI that aren't the real FBI because these ones aren't accountable to anyone and no one knows who they are. And there's this secret society and all of these things come from a longing as us as people to find our purpose. And in uh, Ephesians 2.10, it, it says this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he had planned for us long ago. See, here's the reality is that God saved us not because we are good. Well, he didn't save me because I'm good. He didn't save me because I'm super talented. He didn't, he didn't save me for anything that I can do or have. But it was his love and his grace that he pours out to us, that gives us that purpose. The reality is we'll never be good enough, we'll never be perfect enough, never going to get it all right. The good news is we don't need to. But it says that when we find our purpose in him, I, I love where it finishes here, he's created us anew, we get a new start, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know what, the reality is God plans good things for us to do. He plans good life for us to live. He plans for us to do good things in our world. And, you know, the, the, the difference between us and these fictional characters in this, in this movie is that the idea is that we shouldn't have to or want to wipe people's memories after they encounter us as followers of Christ, although how handy would that be when you mess it up? Be like, oh, that wasn't good. <laughs> you know, like, that was an awkward conversation. <laughs> like, uh, one of those things would be awesome. But the reality is we're not trying to be secretive and we're not trying to, uh, you know, keep God a secret, the, the, the purpose that we find in our life a secret. Actually, we should be showing it to people in the way that we live. And we show it by doing the good things that he planned for us. And we find that by centering ourselves around the purpose that he has for our lives and living that out each day, day after day. And we will find nothing greater that we can do with our lives than to center ourselves around him and do the good things that he puts in front of us. Helps life make sense in the good times. It helps things make uh, sense in the bad times. The reality is he is always the same. And I love that about Jesus. That it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter how we're feeling. You know, there's no amount of money. There's no black suit. There's no thing you can have. There's no house. There's no job. There's no promotion that you can gain that is going to fulfill you the same way that Jesus will fulfill your life. And it doesn't matter whether you feel like things are going awesome or whether you think things are not going so well. When you're centered around him, he'll help it all make sense in the end. And he has good things planned for your life. Doesn't mean we're going to have a good life all the time. Doesn't mean that everything goes well and everything is perfect. We all have ups, we all have downs, we all make mistakes. But the one thing we can center ourselves back on is him and the good things that he has planned for our lives. You know, there's another character in, the, in this movie. He goes by the name of H. He's Chris Hemsworth. And... Uh, 
he's the, he's the proposed hero of the story, if you will. He's the, the legend of the story, kind of sets up. The movie starts with him kind of saving the world on the, off, off his own back and he's got all the swagger and, and everyone loves him and, you know, everyone is in awe of him. The room stops whenever he, he kind of walks around. And you would think, you go, oh, a new person, new kind of girl coming in, new to the organisation, doesn't kind of know as much. You know, and then you've got this guy who, who, who's a hero and should be kind of, you know, the way we all model and the person that we all want to be. But the reality for our character today is that he has become a little bit complacent. You know, I remember the first time I came to, to this church, came to this church as a 16-year-old kid, walked into this auditorium, has heaps better carpet now than it did then. Uh, probably because we thrashed it. Uh, but, you know, we, we, I remember coming in here, and I remember just thinking, this is the, the best place on earth. I was like, these people are amazing. Uh, you, know, the, the, you know, the sound, the lights, they had these screens that would, like, retract from the roof and PowerPoints would come on and then they'd retract back up. I'm like, what is this technology? You know, I had never kind of been to a church that had anything like this. And I was like, this is the best place ever. And I remember saying to myself, I will never get sick of coming here. And I want to come to every service. I want to come to everything that was happening. I come to youth on Fridays. I want to be the first here. And, you know, I remember the youth pastors kind of like shutting the door on me going, it's time to go home. I'm like, but I don't want to. You know, I loved it here. Now I'm like kind of trying to race John out of the building so I don't have to lock up. You know, like it, it's funny how you, you sometimes you, you think I'll never take this for granted. But then after a little while we can become a little bit complacent and forget the value of what we have and the purpose that we have. And it becomes easy for that to kind of fall to one side. So we're going to have a look at a, a scene with our, our characters as they meet, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this unfolds. Uh. Hello. Ah! Oops. <clears throat> Sorry. Hi. No. Hey. Nope, I'm awake. Sorry. Just catching up on my daily meditation. I have been meaning to try that. I read that it dramatically improves mitochondrial energy production. Yep, yep, no, it, it absolutely does. My mitochondrial energy is uh, through the roof. Um, but have we met before? No, Agent M. I heard you were on the Vungus meet tonight and I wanted to offer my assistance. I'm a bit of a Jabamian wonk. Language, culture, politics, fashion. Um, anyways, I compiled a dossier for you to read. Oh, a dossier, I love a good dossier. Um, the thing is, I Ask around. I work alone. You yeah, ask anyone around here. Did you know that Jababians are claircognizant empaths, which means that they can basically read your mind? Oh, and your cards. Well, they do have a tell. What's that? Subdermal spots on the underside of their arms change color. Mm, good to know, but um, thank you for your offer. I'm good. Okay. Message understood. I will leave you to your meditation. <laughs> thank you. Oh. Do you know what your tell is? You snore when you meditate. Actually, on second thoughts, maybe I could use some backup. I thought you snore when you meditate, but... <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it funny that you could you think of this guy, he's the hero, he saved the world, everybody knows that he did it. And then you find him in this place where he's like sleeping at his desk. Uh, you know, the, in some of the other scenes that people will use uh, language around his character saying he's changed, he's something different about him. It's not, he's not who he used to be. He's not living up to his potential. Uh, all of these things. And it comes from a place of complacency, that he's just willing to kind of sleep at his desk. Hey, ask anyone, I work alone, I'm a maverick, I kind of just do whatever kind of I want. 
and he's kind of lost his way a little bit in the way that he's living his life. And I can go, complacency will be the thing that robs us from our purpose. There are a couple of things that robs us from our purpose. And the first one is complacency. And one of the things that complacency can do is it can appear in the form of uh, what we would call contentment. Uh, contentment is a great thing. We should all have lots of contentment. We should all be thankful and, and grateful for the things that God gives us, the life that we get to live, the blessings that he gives us. We should not want to compare. And, you know, part of this is, you know, comparing will do the same thing. Comparing will rip uh, contentment from your life because you're looking at what somebody else has and going, I wish I had more of that. Or I could be better if I was like this. Or if I just had that talent, I would have this. And we can compare and, you know, he's the man, so he's not comparing himself to anyone. He's just kind of doing whatever he wants. And sometimes it's easy to kind of start taking things for granted and kind of going, yep, I'm fine with life, everything's okay, I'm just content. But really what we've become is complacent and we're taking things for granted and we're not living in our, in our purpose and we're not doing the things that God has put in front of us and called us to. Not because we're content with where we're at, but because we've become complacent about our faith and become to take it for granted. You know, the, the Bible in, in Corinthians, Paul's writing uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, and he says this to the people, he says, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we will do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, Paul uses this analogy of, of running, and first of all, I'm not a fan of running. Is anyone like a fan of like running? Like you just get up and like just start kind of running for no reason and stop at some point or like wake up and go, hey, you know what's a good idea this weekend? I'm going to sign up for a thing and pay money and run 10Ks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've never understood that. And the thing for me is I always find, one, I'm incredibly unfit, uh, so that doesn't help the, the running process, but I just get bored, like hard out bored. Like, like running, just, you know, like playing basketball, like I can run because I think chasing a ball kind of distracts me from the fact that I'm running and it's kind of stop-start, which is good, so like you can have a break. But, like, just straight running is, like, so boring. I tried, like, putting YouTube on the treadmill at the gym, so I'm, like, maybe if I'm, like, watching something, it'll help me forget that I'm kind of running. And then I almost fell off the treadmill because I wasn't paying attention uh, to kind of where my feet were going. The reality is being a runner takes great discipline. And I think it's a, a, a fair analogy for our life that... If you're going to run, you have to have some purpose behind kind of running. You've got to really kind of want it. There's got to be a, a kind of a reason, a goal. You know, he uses the idea of kind of runners in a race that, you know, everybody runs, but only one person's going to win. And when you look at the odds of all those different runners in those lanes, like there's a fair chance those runners are going to win, run that race and not kind of win a prize. And Paul goes, they run anyway. And then more to it, we don't run for kind of a trophy, well, we don't run just to go and get a merit certificate at the end of the 10K marathon that you run saying, congratulations, you did it, uh, and here's a free T-shirt. We run with so much more at stake. We run with an eternal prize at the end of the day. And Paul says, run your race. Run it well. Do it with purpose in every single step. You know, complacency will cause you to not run with purpose. There's so many things in our world that want to distract us and tell us to follow this and do this and do that, and, and, and it distracts us from our purpose. But Paul reminds us in this scripture that he goes, there's so much more at stake than any earthly reward, any amount of money, any job promotion, anything that we could chase. There's so much more at stake and so much more for our lives. 
if we would just discipline ourselves to walk in the purpose that he calls us to. You know, the other uh, genuine, uh, I believe, killer of purpose in our lives is th- this whole idea of that we can do it alone. You know, he says in, the, in that clip there, he's like, ask anyone, I work alone. I, I don't need any help. I don't need anyone. I'm fine by myself. You know, at the beginning of the year, you'll find people all the time. I think, uh, you know, Jan- December, January, February is probably the, the prime time to kind of be a gym owner. Like, if you really want to enhance your revenue, you kind of want to buy one of those gyms maybe somewhere around kind of June when no one's in there and then kind of maybe sell it in March after everybody signed up and no longer attending. And, you know, the reality is we all make these goals, you know, fitness goals, financial goals. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be a better husband or father or mother or dad or friend. I want to, I want to work harder. I want to get fitter. All these things at the beginning of the year that we'll sit and we're really good at writing them down. I'm actually not even good at writing them down, but we've got templates that help us write things down. Go, this year I'm going to do this. You know what the one thing that probably for me decides whether I kind of tick one of those boxes off or not is if there's somebody helping me along the way. That if I write something down and I'm like, this one, you know, and this is what I'll do. I'll like write this down, you know, like get fitter. This one's for you, Ryan. Like no one needs to know your fitness goals. And so, you know, I'll write it down. I'll keep it kind of quiet. And then, you know, the first morning comes and maybe I'll get up and do something about it or, you know, change something little. And then the next day I'm like, oh, you know, had a late night last night and don't want to get up today. There's no one encouraging me. There's no one kind of going, hey, how are you going with that? There's no one helping me. There's no one putting any wisdom into my life. And so what happens is it kind of just falls away. And I get to the end of the year and I don't even know where the template's gone anymore. And then I fill out another one and it looks much the same as the one from the year before because I didn't get anywhere because I was trying to just do it by myself. I was trying to do it in my own strength. And the reality is the same for our faith. If we want to live these faith-filled lives of purpose, centered around who Christ is, we cannot do it on our own. You know, the Bible um, says this in Romans 12. It says, in the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with unique function. And so it is with the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've been mingled into one body in Christ. I love that like word mingled. Like, you know, when you go into somewhere and they're like, you can just mingle for a while. It's like an introvert's worst nightmare. I'm like, mingle? Like, surely this is like destruction and I can just keep to myself and quiet. And the reality is, is that picture of like we have been mingled together. We've chosen kind of to come together as the body of Christ. We've chosen to be here today. This means that we're vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. You know, not only are we called just to kind of come and mingle together. It's a little bit like what we do before and after service. We mingle together. But we gather together, we we worship, we gather around the word, we do all of these things together. But we're also called to contribute to one another. Not just to be in the same room, not just to go to the same church, not just to maybe wear the same welcome t-shirt because I happen to be on at the same time as you. But we're actually called to contribute to one another. And we do that by the the teams that we serve in. We contribute to our, our church by serving one another in different ways and with the different gifts that we have. But, you know, we don't just have teams of people coming to to do jobs. We want to have teams of people coming to get to know one another. And you know what? Sometimes it's a bit awkward. Sometimes you can't always choose who's on your team. Sometimes you're not always going to be exactly the same as the other person. Sometimes it's going to look a little bit like this. Let's have a look at this clip. I don't like what the earth is doing now. Shoot it! 
was worth a try. We must have the weapon for the hive. No, I don't know if you've heard, but we are the men in black. The men and women in black. Nice save. If you think we're just gonna hand this thing over and we've got another thing coming, you don't know who you're dealing with. See, we protect the Earth, and that means everyone and everything on it. Do you wanna do this? You wanna get down? Fine, let's go. Move and I'll obliterate this entire island and everything on it. Uh, yeah, including us. You don't think we should have spoken about this before? I skipped a little speech. Yeah, I really like the speech. I just thought that maybe this was gonna be more effective. He kind of have it, they're working together, they're, they're, it's one of the, the kind of big scenes of the movie coming up against the kind of enemy. And what they realise is through this movie is that they, they can't do it kind of by themselves. That they don't have the talent or the ability to, to just to ride on their own, but actually they need to kind of work together. And you've got, the, you've got Chris Hemsworth in that scene who like gives a great speech and is like ready to be the hero and save the world again off his own back. And then you've got like kind of the young rookie just pulls out like a giant gun that's going to kill everyone. And then they start trying to like hash it out in front of like, in front of everyone, and like you know it's all crazy and it's all going down. And that's kind of what life should be like. It's not going to be smooth. It's not always going to be kind of we're just friends and we just get along and everything's going to be rosy. Sometimes it's going to be awkward. Sometimes you're going to learn something from someone else. Sometimes you're going to have the opportunity to encourage and input into someone else. I love our creative team that I get to be a part of and kind of that's, that's where I spend most of my time here as part of the team and, and, I, and I love it because it's such a diverse team. There's so many different types of people with different types of gifts that kind of get to do all, we get to do all different fun things. But, you know, it's been one of the times in my life where I think I've been enriched the most because there's people who have come alongside that are a fair bit older than me and have been able to kind of give me some wisdom. I feel a little bit like that, like ready to just go for it. And they're like, oh, actually, you know what you're going to do is that's going to backfire. Like, oh, thank you. You know, here's, here's some wisdom. And then there's been others where I've watched young people come up and, and kind of be able to teach different things to other people on the team. Like it's, it's the perfect picture in some ways of what doing life together can look like when we're all there contributing to one another. And on another level, you know, it's not just being on teams. I'd encourage you if you're not on a team, join one. And it's not because we need more people to do jobs but it will enrich your life so much more because of the people that you get to serve with than it ever will the job that you're fulfilling at the time. You know, we all have a, a, a calling and a duty, I believe, to build the local church, and that's part of the way we do that. But there's so much more to being in teams. The teams that I've been on in this church have enriched my life so much more than anything I probably ever could have done. And that's what I love our creative team. I can't play drums like Graham. I can't sing like Fiona. That would be weird if I could, but, you know, uh, imagine that. You know, <laughs> that voice looking like this. Uh, but, you know, the reality is it's, it's not about the things that we can do and how smart and gifted we are. But it's actually about the heart that we carry to live out our purpose together. But also in your life, do you have people in your life that speak into your life? One of the things that I, I love and appreciate and would be nowhere without are people that have mentored me and held me accountable and encouraged me along the way. That 16-year-old, that, that I'm never going to get sick of this, was so naive as to how hard sometimes it is to hold on to your faith. And how much you need people around you in different areas to encourage you. Hey, what are your goals this year? Yeah, mine are this. Let me, let me help you get there. The reality is we try to do it alone. But it always sets us up to fail. So my encouragement would be is to make sure you've got people in your life that you're contributing to. But also that you've got people that contribute to you as well. It makes us so much richer 
when we do things together allows us to walk and live with so much more purpose when we're able to encourage one another. And so if you feel like that's you and you're kind of doing it alone, I'd encourage you before you go today, find someone, have a conversation with them, join a team. It might be a radical thing for you to go, I'm just going to sign up for something with a random group of people mingled together. But it'll, it'll do more for you than you would ever imagine. The movie kind of wraps itself up. We're going to watch one more, one more clip here and uh, we'll have a look at this and then we'll, we'll talk about it after. Well, there you go. My work here is done, I guess. You are. I'm oh, sorry, what? Probationary head of London Branch. I, I'm sorry, probationary head? It, it, it sounds like I got promoted and demoted at the same time. <laughs> no, try and cope. Several years ago, before all this, team mentioned to me a young, up-and-coming field agent who had certain leadership qualities, shall we say? Was his faith in you misplaced? No, I just think there are far more experienced agents than myself. Yeah, there are. But you have the full support of our senior staff and, by the way, agency. Is that right? Do I take it to accept? Yes. Good. I'll talk to the bosses upstairs. You need to clear your London desk and report to MIB in New York on Monday. New York? Thank you, Agent O. Congratulations, Proby. Congratulations to you, too. You'll want to brief your agents. Walk with me. So you wanted to know how it all works. Now you do. And as you will no doubt have divined, Agent M, there's a price. I love that, that line at the very end there where she says there's a price. You know, the girl that never cared for anyone, didn't have a dog, didn't have a cat, didn't care about anything, clearly cares for the person that she's been working with in, in, in Hemsworth. And that glance that she shoots uh, for the sake of time, I was going to slow it down and then I thought it would take too long. But, you know, she glances at Hemsworth and Hemsworth glances at her and uh, she realises that she's got to move. And there's a price that needs to be paid. I'm going to invite the, the team to come up and join us. We're going to wrap, wrap this up in a moment. But the, the reality is that purpose, as it's written there, has a price. You know, we don't get to live out our purpose. We don't get to live out our life without it costing kind of something, without it kind of being difficult at times, without maybe having to contribute to someone else or, or be vulnerable with someone else. You know, not being complacent. You know, that whole idea of running your race, that takes work and there's a price that kind of needs to be paid. And the truth of what we realised this morning and what we're going to do as we, we sing in a few moments' time is we've got these tables set up. There's one at the back and a, and a couple at the front here. And they've got the, the emblems of communion on there. And we're going to take that together around the table. That's the way we choose to do that here at True North is to come to the table all together and, and, and take communion. And it's this reminder of Jesus coming and giving his life for you and for me, which was a price that was paid. It came at a price. Jesus gave his life so that we could find purpose so that we could have this grace this gift this hope and then live it out and as we've read there's nothing specific we can really do to, to pay that back in fact we don't need to there's nothing we could have done to earn it there's nothing you could have walked in here today and gone because I've done this now I can be at the table simply we choose to believe in him and accept him as a source of purpose for our life 
But when I think about my life and reflect on it, I want to live it in such a way. And I get this wrong all the time, but my aim would be is I want to live out my life in such a way that it honours the price that was paid for the gift that he gave to me. And that means not being complacent about the gift that he has given me, but actually fighting to pay a price to pursue that with my life, to try and live it out the best way I can. You know, we've just had uh, Christmas and uh, myself and my wife we were chatting about Christmas and one of the things that we decided is that we bought our kids way too many presents. Like, my daughter didn't open all of her presents. Like, it took her days to kind of get there because she was more fascinated with the paper than the gift. And so it took a long, there's a lot of paper. And so, you know, she had to work her way through that. So, but my boy who's four, he, he's all down with Christmas. Like, he is, he is, if you've seen the character Elf in the movie, like, he's Elf. Like, Santa, like, he, he just... Everything about Christmas just makes him buzz. He like wraps his bed in tinsel and like he loves it. We're not allowed to take the Christmas tree down until he helps us do it. You know, all he's like all things Christmas. But we bought him way too many gifts. And the reason I know that is because I saw my bank balance. Uh, no, but by the end of Christmas, he would he would, he would get a gift and he would open it because he's all about opening it. But then he'd put it down and he was on to the next one before he'd even kind of looked at what we'd given him. Now, he's four, and I can't expect him to, you know, have all the gratefulness in the world. I'm 35, and I'm still fairly ungrateful at times, I'm learning. And so he's got a long way to go to learn gratefulness, and that will come as I buy him less toys. But the, the reality is he, he, he would discard what someone had bought him or paid good money for or, or chosen for him to, to, to move on to the next thing. And I think about this picture of the table and communion and the gift that is given to us, and how often do we kind of look at it and go, yeah, I, I, I put it to one side. Oh, there's something else to pursue here. Oh, there's this thing over here that's going to be good. Oh, there's this thing here that maybe that's going to give me more purpose. Oh, this gift from, from, you know, from, from God, this purpose and this salvation is so valuable. I'm going to put it just up here on the shelf where it's safe, where no one can touch it. I'll compartmentalize it. I'll do it by myself. No one needs to know. This, this special gift can sit right here on the shelf. And we park it and we leave it when it was bought to enhance and change our very lives. You know, none of the presents I bought him probably were life-changing. But a lot of the presents we bought him were were there to help him enjoy life a little bit more. Maybe it was a book, a story, something to kind of teach him something or enrich him something. Maybe it was kind of something to play games on or whatever it might have been. But the reality is it was thought about and it was given. And the best thing we can do, because we can't do anything to kind of pay it back or earn it, the best thing we can do is to live a life of purpose to honour the price that was paid for you and for me. And so today as we sing, as we worship, as we honour God through song, we're going to come around this table and remember Jesus and the gift that he gave for you and for me. And my hope would be, as it's been for me this week thinking about it, is are there areas of complacency in my life where it's messing with the purpose that I have? Do I need to remove some of that? Areas where I'm like, no, I'm just pretty content here, but really it's complacency. Are there other things that I've got discarding the gift of Christ for to pursue? When really, when I pursue him, he has all these good things planned out for me. It's just stripping it back and being simple. and Going, I just need to remember my purpose and live in that today. And so as we come around the table, we remember Jesus, we honour Jesus. And my prayer for you today as I pray will be that you can come to the table just as I will. And ask yourself honestly the question, are you living out your best life for him? Or are there some adjustments that at the beginning of this year you want to make 
I wouldn't know what they are, but you, you will. You won't know what mine are, but I do. To go, what does it look like for me to walk more in the purpose that God has for me this year than ever before? To honour the gift that he has given me. Can I pray for us? Could we stand? I'll pray. And we can take communion together. Lord, I thank you that you willingly gave your life for each one of us to bring purpose and hope and love. And you didn't do it because of anything that we could do or anything that you could get back. But you did it because you love us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would realise today and remember afresh the purpose that we have in you, that you have good things planned for us. And, Lord, I pray as we run that race, that we would do it with purpose in every single step. That we would live lives that honour you and that we would do it together, remembering that we're not in this alone, but that we're here with others, that we can have contribute to us and we can contribute to them. That we can encourage each other to live with purpose in every single step. So Lord, I pray that you would refresh our passion for you today as we remember what you have done. Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are and everything you do for us. Let's sing together.